Uh, greetings, you're watching the online ministry of St Augustine's Anglican Church here in Inverell. My name's Adam Draycott and welcome uh, to this time that we're sharing together now. Uh, today in our calendar it's Trinity Sunday. This uh, ministry has been prepared for the 30th of May 2021. Our sentence of scripture comes from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 17. Christ Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we have access in the one spirit to the Father. Let me pray. Loving Father, as we gather, as we fellowship with one another, uh, we pray that you be at work by your spirit, uh, growing us in Christ Jesus, uh, that you be glorified. Uh, we pray this in his precious name. Amen.
of God's Word. Our Bible reading today is Psalm 124. Psalm 124. Let me read it for us. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say. If the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let me pray. Loving Father, we thank you again that we can gather um, around your word. We pray that your spirit would be at work, showing us the glory and wonder that is your son, Jesus. Lead us in the way of repentance and faith, that you would be glorified and that Jesus would be praised. Uh, we ask this in his precious name. Well, if you follow the NRL, the Rugby League, you'll know that this weekend the Bulldogs are playing the Panthers and the Bulldogs have no hope. They are no chance. Even the betting markets indicate that. If you put a dollar on Penrith, your reward, if they win, will be one cent. One cent! Uh, of course, the TV might nudge us to gamble responsibly, but our response should be don't gamble at all. But... Nonetheless, the Bulldogs this weekend are going to be more like puppies or maybe lambs. Maybe we should be calling them the Canterbury lambs because they're going to be lambs led to the slaughter. It's all against them. Now, of course, Psalm 124 is a song that reflects on the experience of God's people. Uh, God's people have often been weak while their enemies loom large and dominant. Think about the armies of Abraham or Moses or David. Regularly, it's all against them. They're outnumbered. They've got lots of things not in their favour. Don't forget Gideon. There's another story. 
where the Lord comes along and cuts his army back, reduces the number, sends them home, leaves them from 20,000, I think it is, to about 300. Go into battle with 300 people, Gideon. I mean, who could forget David and Goliath? Uh, or the shepherd boy against the, the beastly giant? Or who could forget Daniel? And the lions in the lion's den. And the Bible is full of stories just like this. Where God's people are weak and vulnerable. Where they are easy prey. They should be easy prey. They should be easy prey. And when we come to the New Testament, I don't know that it's that much different. We've, we've got the story of the apostles and the early church, early Christians facing off against the superpower we will call Rome. It's the same pattern. Weakness, vulnerability, easy prey, doom. It's all against them. And so verse 1, what a curious uh, psalm of confidence this is. To write, if the Lord had not been on our side. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, and so Psalm 124 reflects on this pattern in the history of God's people, particularly Israel at this point. These are vivid pictures in this psalm used to portray the superior power of Israel's enemies. And maybe the enemy are more like monsters. They're described as monsters that can swallow Israel alive in verse, verse 3. They would have swallowed us alive. Or their anger... Their hatred that burns like a fire, verse 3. Their anger flared against us. Or verses 4 and 5, it's like a massive flood. When I think of floodwaters, I think of being overwhelmed, drowning. And so here are the vivid pictures that we're either being torched by the enemy or we're being drowned. Or both. I mean, what, what chance did Israel have? In human terms, what chance did Israel have against Egypt and the mighty Pharaoh of the day? What chance did Israel have against the Assyrians? Or the Babylonians as the armies marched against them? To right, the enemy is a monster. It's a beast. Now, even in the book of Lamentations, Chapter 2, verse 16, it speaks of enemies that open their mouths wide. They scoff, they gnash their teeth, and they swallow, I think it's Jerusalem, they swallow Jerusalem up. They have teeth, verse 6, like a lion. Rawr. Or verse 7, they've escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. It's like fishing, isn't it? Except you're hunting for birds. Here, a snare is, it's a, it's a trap. And like fishing, it involves a string. These snares were lightweight, circular nets. They would have weights around the edges. And I think the idea is you pull the string and it's all over. A bit like fishing. Uh, the fowler, the one hunting for birds would cast the net over a flock of small birds in a bush or on the ground. 
and zoom, I think. Um, even sparrows, can you imagine it? Sparrows were sold at market in ancient times. And notice in this psalm, the bird actually gets caught. The bird gets caught by the fowler's snare, but then the snare is broken and the bird escapes, like a fish getting off the line. Oh, so frustrating. See, the trap breaks, the string, boop, and the bird flies free. It's a near thing. If you're the bird, it's a near miss. Uh, this is supposed to be game over. Just at that moment, when everything is done and doomed, down for the count, it's nearly curtains, the, the snare breaks. What's going on? Well, the answer is in verse 8. How does this happen? Well, enter the Lord. Enter the Lord who delivers his people. Well, verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, we might ask why. Why, Lord, do you allow these forces of evil to amass? Why does the Lord still allow this? Fair question. Whatever the case, the psalm reminds God's people can you imagine them seeing this as they, as, they as they sing to each other, as they climb the steps at the temple? Here are God's people reminding one another that their hope is in the Lord. They sing this out loud to one another. God is the source of their praise. Let Israel say, say what? Verse 6, praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. It's almost like now that the enemy, the monster, is a side act, a foil. Well, what is actually highlighted is the power of God and the care of God. That the enemy is no match for God's saving, delivering, rescuing power. Here is hope. Here is encouragement for God's people. And we go, you beauty, but, but really, really, I don't see Babylon marching towards uh, the city limits of Inverell or Deepwater or Glen, wherever it is that you're watching from. Um, help me. And I'll, okay, let me help you. Well, tell me, is sin like a snare? The bird catcher, the fowler must be the devil. And sin is the snare. And the devil, he wants God's people caught and trapped like a tiny bird. He is the fowler, the bird hunter. He's after prey. He's after prey just like a prowling lion who crouches at your door. And he wants to catch you. In fact, the psalm says he's got you. You're trapped. And there's no escape apart from the work of Almighty God, the Lord, the Helper. See, who breaks the snare of sin? Who breaks uh, the, the fowler's power? Who breaks all this? Jesus. Nothing less, nothing more. How does Jesus do that? Well, he doesn't use a blade. He uses a cross. 
He uses a place of weakness and shame and vulnerability. He, he is the very lamb led to the slaughter. Jesus makes himself nothing. Can you see in this picture Jesus trapped in the net? He becomes the prey. He subjects himself to the fowler's snare. And he actually dies. But our psalm is also a preview of the resurrection, isn't it? Because we know on account of this picture, on account of the work of Christ, death no longer has dominion over us. That death has lost its sting. Because even death, even the grave, cannot now entrap any believer, anyone who is in Christ. That Jesus has disarmed the power of sin, the world and the devil. And now we have forgiveness and peace with God. Not only are we rescued from those enemies, we now have forgiveness and peace with God. You see, when you think about the work of God, what more can God do to show you, to declare his great love for you? What more could God do as you think about the cross? What more could God say in terms of being absolutely for you? If we're living in a world where Christians are persecuted, if you're part of the persecuted church, wherever you are, knowing that death on account of one's faith is a real possibility, what a great comfort this picture is of an escaped bird. This must be something to treasure. When we find ourselves in the minority, or maybe if we find ourselves facing imminent destruction, our situation can only become an occasion for future praise. But here is the thing for us closer to home, for those who live in the West, being faithful but small in number runs at odds with our ideas about democracy, doesn't it? And power and success. We prefer to have the numbers on our side, the side of popular opinion, wouldn't we? For Christ's church, numbers can make us feel safe and comfortable and secure and that we're, we're on about the right thing. And for the pastor, it's very validating and affirming it's a source of confidence, isn't it? And, and yeah, no doubt it is encouraging. Absolutely. But it might be our democratic bias at play here. We might be thinking numbers equals success in ministry. But look at the psalm. Look at the psalm and see a different pattern. See a pattern of the small, the weak, the vulnerable, an endangered species, if you like, near death. Yet being small and weak and vulnerable is never a problem when our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heavens and the earth, verse 8. The long game is whoever we are, wherever we are, whatever our situation as a Christian person, the long game is if we're in Christ, we cannot lose. So if you're feeling small or marginalised or without hope, 
let us trust along with Christ's church through the ages that the Lord in his providence is setting the stage for a glorious deliverance. Someone uh, asked me this week, I was reading this with a brother and uh, I said, oh, how might I rewrite this in light of Jesus and all he has done? If the Lord had not been on our side, I'd be dead in my sins. Or Romans 8 verse 31 comes to mind for me. If God is for us, who can be against us? And brothers and sisters, if that is true, if God is for us, who can be against us? If that is true, why do we fret? What do you fret about? Do you know our helper is the maker of heaven and earth. Our helper is the one who made you and created you and who loves you infinitely. And if that is true, why don't we pray more? Why aren't we more prayerful if we understand this psalm? This psalm alone, why aren't we more prayerful? Because our helper, remember, is the maker of heaven and earth. See the Lord is with us and see that the Lord is completely for us. He wants good things for us. And now imagine the alternative. <laughs> I mean, life is hard enough. Imagine removing God from this scenario. Seriously, who would say no to that? Who would say no to God? No, thank you. The helper, the maker of heaven and earth. Brothers and sisters, if the Lord had not been on our side, Look again at the cross and the resurrection. See that God is totally for us in Jesus. Amen.